this morning, Ross, Pastor Ross asked me to, to speak. Every once in a while, you know it's rare that I get the boomstick. But um, Pastor Ross asked if I, if I would speak this morning. And we, we go by series. And we go by topics within that series. And so there'll be, you know, whatever series we've been on. And we're going to talk about this this week, this week, this week. And so it gets to the better series. Of Corey, I want, you to, I want you to cover the third week of the better series. I go, okay, I can do that. So well, what, what, am I, what am I talking about? What's the, what's the topic so I can start preparing? He goes, better. Better what? Just better. It, like, like better, like better prayer, better worship, better pizza. I can do Give me just just better. I was like, are you are, really? That is one of the most broad topics I've ever been given in my life. I don't know about you or, or what, what professional speaking you do, but it's so nice to get a, 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 a nice narrow field of interest like better. <laughs> so Pastor Ross, when you're listening to this, he's out on the Oregon Trail or something tonight. I don't know what, <laughs> I don't know, where, where is he? He's like on a mountain somewhere. He and Amy, God bless them, they were supposed to go on a big, big, huge anniversary hiking trip uh, all up and down the Appalachian Mountains. And, uh, and then they wound up having another baby. Uh, and so they had to put a, a hold on that. But they're finally out living their dream, apparently, in the cold and wet. So God bless them. I would have voted for the hotel. <laughs> just, just between you and me. I want to begin this this morning, I, I, as I began thinking about the, 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 the series better, I began thinking about the numerous ways that my life has improved since getting serious about following Christ, a personal revelation, moment of peace, seasons of, of introspection and, and personal challenge. And I know a lot of that sounds very, but I'm telling you, anytime I have gotten serious about my walk with God, I have felt a marked improvement in my life. Just, just the way, even, even if like things don't get better, because I'm going to tell you something, a lot of times things don't get better. But man, just having his point of view in my life, having, having that peace come over me, having that, that understanding that I don't understand, <laughs> and it doesn't make sense, but I love it. And I love that God can get me through things. And anytime I get serious about getting closer to God, my life in some sort of form of fashion is better. Every time. Every time. In truth, the smallest things make a positive change. And really, isn't that the promise of Christ? In John 10.10, 10, it says this, that the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. And I notice here he didn't say that you may have the afterlife to the full. He's talking about now. You know, so often we, we look at salvation, we look at uh, what it's all about, and we're like, well, I, it's, it's so I don't die and go to hell. Well, yeah, it's a great starting point. That is a fantastic catalyst to getting saved. I agree with it. Just in case you're wondering, I do agree with not going to hell. That's a good thing. But... Man, that, that, that's not all there is to it. He says, I want you to live life to the full now. I want you to experience the greatness of who I am now. I want you to experience heaven here on earth now. A better, a fuller life today. Guys, there's ways of living life that 
keep a great number of us Christians from living that better life that God's intended. A life that at its core is just simply better. Now, those of you who know me know that I'm weird. You know, you know I've got things, things about me. You know, Eddie, I can see it's not that bright up here. <laughs> I've told you all about my impulse buys and, and how I, I, the infomercials are my enemy. And I just, me late at night not sleeping with a credit card is a bad thing. I've bought Bowflexes and ab shockers and hair removal things that burned me third degree body burns. It's just chemicals and all kinds of things because M Mighty Putty will change your life. And I got to tell you right now, I'm fighting. There's this one. You guys have seen it. It's the tape that you can stick on even underwater. Yes, yes, they sawed a boat in half. Stuck that sucker back together and went down the river. Come on, Jesus. Hello. <laughs> but another, another part of my, my secret sin is that I buy cheap things and I expect quality. <laughs> is any, tell me, please tell me somebody else is like this. Thank you. Thank you. Last weekend, my kids, they've been wanting to go to the roller rink forever. And so I'm like, let's go. Let's go to Hot Wheels. Let's go skating. So we put them on wheels, and they're falling around all over the place. And I keep looking over to the snack bar. I'm like, mm, nachos. <laughs> Sounds like a, I love nachos. How many of you don't like going to Taco Mac and getting some nachos? Right? Come on. Someone can give me some nachos. I go over there. I sit, I'm like, give me some nachos, and the nachos out, and it's just like, you know, you know, you know what it is. It's just like they empty the bag, and it is there, and then they like press the dispenser, and it comes out. And I'm like, you got any like, you know, meat for that, or jalapenos or anything? Uh, no, no, no. We have chips and the cheese substitute. <laughs> I get back to my seat, and I'm just, I'm trying to eat it, and it's like yellow watery wax. I don't know if that, if you can mix wax and water together. They did, and they made cheese out of it. <laughs> I'm just like, oh. The kids combine, they're like, oh, nachos. I'm like, by all means, have some. One bite. No. So disappointed. I had high expectations, but I bought cheap, and cheap is what I got. <laughs> I was talking to Kristen last night. I go, I go, I know this about me that I do this, but is there, can you think of anything? I mean, she had a list. She goes, do you remember that furniture set you bought? Oh, yeah. So a friend of mine, Pedro, we go out and we, we don't laugh at his name. I voted for him. <laughs> so <laughs> we go to this like outlet. Like it wasn't like an outlet mall. It was like the stuff that fell off the truck at the outlet mall. And then the other, you know, in the middle of the night, they grabbed it up. And we're walking around. And I'm seeing this, this it's, it's, it's a full couch, a full-size love seat, and an armchair, right? $500. So you know this is quality. And I'm looking at it. I'm thinking, you know, ours is, ours is wearing out and stuff. And it's, you know, the kids and the dogs. And you just, you know, just, you know what? What if I just came home with a brand new State of the art. 
you know, set of furniture. So we, you know, we loaded up. I bought it. I'm like, man, it's a great deal. I mean, our, our couch was like 700 alone or something like that when we bought it. And it's 500 for all three. And I get rid of the old stuff. I put it in there. Kristen walks in. She's like, what? Because it looked good. It looked good. For days, it looked good. <laughs> days. We had that for a number of years. A good number of years. And when it, when it came time to finally, we, actually, it was when we were moving here. We go to kind of like take the furniture out, and she, I, I thought she knew that this, this furniture had been falling apart for a while, and so it was being held up by various books, so many books. Like it wasn't connected to itself in any way at all. It was literally, it looked good, but it was sitting on books, and she pulled, we pulled it, and she's like, what? What is happening? I'm like, it's a, how do you think we weren't sitting on the ground? This book, and she's like, my books? And they're like all dented and like stained and <sighs> just after moving here, my uh, my uh, my PT cruiser died. Very sad. I know. Let's all have a moment of silence. Did someone say yay? It's your problem. Heartless. TT PT cruiser died, and we had had it paid off for years, and it finally just kicked the bucket. And I don't, I'm not very mechanical. I'm sure the sprocket somewhere in the in the jet propulsion had gone bad, bad mix of radiator things. So, but so I, I'm like, okay, so we, we sold her for like 600 bucks. I'm like, I'm gonna go out and buy buy. I'm gonna get a Craigslist. I'm just gonna buy. I'm sure I'll buy a car that just runs and it's good enough. And we go and we we meet this guy down in Atlanta somewhere, and it's just intrepid, which should have been a clue. And, uh, and so I, we, I'm, I'm looking, I'm like, Kristen, what do you think? She's like, it's your money, and I'm not even, what do you, I need your input. I don't even, you know, it's, it's, I don't have a good feeling, but whatever you want to do. I should start listening to that. So I, I literally, like, drive it around the parking lot of, like, a Kroger. I'm like, it drives, okay, let's do this. Like, I, I wasn't on the highway 20 seconds before I had buyer's remorse. Like, it got itself stuck in second gear. I'm on the highway. Like, what? It just, I, I just, I have this thing where I buy cheap, but I have this expectation of this is the best deal in the world. Like, I should not buy stocks. Like, I should just stay away from any kind of financial investment at all. Kristen, you do all the buying. I'll talk to people. It's good? It's good. It's good. <laughs> Here's the thing. Spiritually speaking... We're buying cheap cars, wondering why they don't work better. Spiritually speaking, we're eating cheap food, wondering why it doesn't taste good. We're listening through cheap headphones, wondering why the sound is bad. Buying cheap clothes. Has anybody bought cheap, the, the clothes off of Facebook? You know what I'm talking about. You're scrolling through Facebook, and on the right, there's the ads, and they look like these really trendy clothes, like this like jacket that like, comes from China somewhere. You're like, oh, man, a samurai would wear that, and it's like $15. Has anybody bought these? Liars. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. We have two. <laughs> you and me, we're going to go get a coffee later and commiserate. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, well. <laughs> I didn't say your impulses had good taste. I was just saying. <laughs> Man, but we do, we do. Spiritually speaking, we go for the cheap and we expect the utmost. Let's open up in prayer. Heavenly Father, God, I pray that you would just speak to us this morning. God, I pray you would just open our eyes to the truth of who you are and your desire in our life. 
God, challenge us this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Guys, there's many things that we can do to have a better life. And the first one I'd like to look at this morning is living a life that refuses to hold on to offense. And I apologize, but I'm going to get a little serious this morning. We had our laughs. It was good. <laughs> now listen. No, I'm kidding. There's a study in the John Hopkins Hospital that says this. Whether it's a simple spat between your spouse or long-held resentment toward a family member or friend, unresolved conflict can go deeper than you may realize. It may be affecting your physical health. The good news, studies have found that the act of forgiveness can reap huge rewards for your health, lowering the risk of heart attack, improving cholesterol levels in sleep and reducing pain, blood pressure, and levels of anxiety, depression, and stress. And research points to an increase in the forgiveness health connection as you age. There is an enormous physical burden to being hurt and disappointed, says Karen Swartz, director of mood disorders and adult consultation at the clinic at John Hopkins. Chronic anger puts you into a fight or flight mode, which results in, which results in numerous changes in heart rate, blood pressure, and immune response. Those changes then increase the risk for depression, heart disease, diabetes, among other conditions. Forgiveness, however, calms stress levels leading to improved health. Scientifically, holding on to offense is bad for your health. It's a poison. It gets in deep into you, and it corrupts at the deepest level. And I'm so, I, I don't know why I continue to be shocked, but I am shocked and amazed and stand in awe every time the Bible mirrors what we understand scientifically. Because here's what the Bible has to say. It says, get rid of all bitterness. Get rid of rage and anger and brawling and slander along with every form of malice. This is Ephesians 4.31, verse 32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ, just as in Christ God forgave you. The Bible is pleading with you, please get this poison out of your life. I know we've, we've all heard the illustration before that holding on to bitterness and holding on to, to unforgiveness and that it, it's not forgiving someone is like drinking poison, expecting the other person to die. It's that toxic to who we are and it has no effect on the other people but yet we harbor it and it comes deep inside I and mean, I tell you what I'm telling you the truth please don't think that that I'm some pastor kid who has absolutely no negative emotion doesn't understand what it is to harbor that there are situations in my life where I have to wake up on a day and I'm not just saying this because it sounds good in a, mes in a message I have to wake up on a daily basis Forgiving some people in my life because because that hurt it runs deep and man it's it's you guys know how it is it's that thing to where one moment you're hurt and the very next moment you are just so ticked off and angry and just why I can't and you just want to call someone up and just give them Jesus on the phone. And then again, it just turns back to that hurt, and it's just a cycle, and I've spent nights lying awake in God every single day. It's not that they're continuing to offend. It's not like anything's changed from the day before. I haven't talked to the person in weeks, but yet still, I continually have to forgive. Is unforgiveness a sin? The scripture is clear, and I hate to say this, but yes, it is. 
the word sin, it's so wide. It's like the topic of bitterness or, or, or better, being better. It's just sin. We say sin, and it's just this huge thing that we just paint all kinds of stuff with, isn't it? Sin, it's just this watered-down, homogenized thing that just covers all this stuff. And how can I mean, we all understand that every single one of us have sin, right? And we have sinned, and we're going to sin, and, and we, we, we accept Christ's forgiveness for sin. And, and, but the thing with it is, is it, it, just, it just becomes so milky and whatever. Sin, okay. Yeah, it's sin. I'll get over it. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about what sin actually is. Sin is rebellion against what we know to be a desire of God. Plain and simple. And God's desire is that we exercise forgiveness and that we work toward restoration and we allow him to deal out the ramifications of an unrepentant heart. And to do the opposite is to rebel against the clear desire of God. And yes, that is sin. If you're struggling with unforgiveness this morning, if you've been offended and you're holding on to that, trust me, I'm sorry. Not that I'm not apologizing for whoever offended you. That's not my job. But I'm sorry that you have to feel that. Because, man, when you get offended and when you get hurt, it, it's, 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 an, it's an offense that continues to go because I wish our mind could just do the whole forgive and forget thing and you really did forget but man, our mind is awesome at just bringing that stuff up at the quietest of moments when you just want to sleep. And it just starts running around in your mind and the mind again, again, again. But to hold on to that, to, to, to harbor that, to, to allow that to, to grow inside of you, to, to, to put forth different mandates on people for, in order for them to earn your forgiveness. That, that, no. No. That is not what Christ said or displayed at all. Romans 6.23 says this, that the wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life, death. And I just want to make sure we all understand death is not just not breathing anymore. There's all kinds of things, all kinds of areas in our life where we can experience death. Some of you have had a death in a relationship Hey, once one time it was so good. It was so fun. We could we go back and forth. We could just live life. But something happened there, and it's 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 awkward now. It's uncomfortable now. It's something I don't want to approach even. I don't want to even go there anymore because it hurts too much. And that relationship has died, and along with it, the joy in the future of that relationship has died. There's peace within our life that can just be slayed. There's all kinds of good, wholesome things that God wants us to experience that absolutely gets choked out because we're allowing sin to do that to us. The wages of sin is death. I love the second part, but the gift of God is eternal life. And we all know that the major gift that Christ came to give to us was forgiveness. Forgiveness of our sins resulting in and life and guys partnering in that gift partnering in that forgiveness it opens us up to life it it, it just it just it's almost like like there, there's a there's a, a closed door on us and and as long as we hold on to that sin we're closing the door on life and we're we're holding death and trapping it inside of us and as soon as we can get to that place and it's going to take time but daily saying God I've got to I've got to forgive them whatever it is Lord they're 
stupid idiots. But Lord, I've got to let that go. It's not mine anymore. And slowly that door will open and that life will seep back into you. Why? Because you're coming closer to the heart of God. That's what this journey, that's what this life is all about. Our, 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 our messed up ways, our messed up wills and desires are messed up. And, and the Bible flat out says you cannot trust the heart. But the heart wants what the heart wants. Yeah, it does. It doesn't mess you up. And every time we intentionally align our heart closer to Christ, life just comes into our lungs and slowly it begins to become part of who we are. Life. In Mark eleven twenty two, 22, it says this, have faith in God. Jesus answered, truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go, throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Check this out. And when you stand praying that prayer, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. In this extremely familiar passage, Jesus draws a direct line between faith and forgiveness. See, a lot of times we we like to just chop off verse 25. Get rid of that. Because this one, I'm throwing mountains. How cool is that? Right? My kids watched Avatar yesterday. Earthbending somebody. Obviously, it's a biblical show. Moving mountains. But we take off that part that separates us from our ability to exercise that faith. We cut that part off at the end of the verse. And we wonder why our prayers are ineffective, but we cut ourselves off from there. They don't deserve my forgiveness. They hurt me too much. They hurt me too often. They don't deserve that. God, why aren't you answering my prayer? The very effectiveness of our faith depends on our ability to not block the flow of the Holy Spirit in our life. I mean, see, we, we, like, we like to imagine God... As this, like, incredibly just, like, ha thing that just doesn't understand regular emotion. And we, we like to paint him with this, you always have to say yes brush. Am I wrong? Whatever I believe, Jesus, I'm just, yes, you got to say yes, because I said it. Yes, yes. Painting Jesus with a yes brush. As if, as, if, as if the emotions and the understanding of stupidity that he gave us doesn't translate to him. We like to think that, oh, God, God, can't, God can't expect something out of me. He just has to give me forgiveness. That's the deal. That's what he died for. That's what he made the ultimate. He just completely got the crap beat out of him so that I didn't have to try. Is that what we think? Is that how cheap that sacrifice is to you? Come on. Holding on to unforgiveness as if it's some kind of play thing. It's death. 
spreading it around as if it only affects you. It's affecting everybody around you. Stop being a fool. Matthew 6.14 says this, If you forgive other people than they, when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. I try to talk around that. I try to figure out some way to make that fit into a more liberal mindset. I try to make that more happy for today's generation, but I can't. It is what it is. God, make no mistake. Sin is the great divide that separates us from Christ, that separates us from what he has for us, that separates us from the best that he could possibly have for our lives. Sin is that divide, and we hold the key of crushing any chance God has of closing that divide with our inability to let things go. But you don't understand. I just saw time and you don't understand how deep the wound was. You don't you don't get it. They 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 they, they cursed my name. They 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 came against my family. You don't understand what they said against against my mother. You don't understand what they did. They, this person made me lose my job. This person voted for the other guy. You don't understand. This person took advantage of their position. How often do we have to forgive these idiots? Peter asked the same thing. Matthew 18, 21, then Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, how many times do I have to forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Listen to how that is. How often do I have to forgive not just a person who's being stupid, not just a person who is offensive, but a person who sinned against me? Put their face toward me and pushed me away. Hurt me intentionally with whatever action or words they did. How often, God, do you expect me to not stand up for what's righteous? And all of a sudden, we, all of a sudden, we take upon ourselves the model of righteousness. That should be a sobering thought to everyone in the room. How dare you think? How dare I think that my filthy rags are cleaner than anyone else's? How dare I think that righteousness is my standard to hold up to somebody else? How many times do I have to forgive? Seven? I love that he just picks a number out of the air. And Jesus answered, that person who sinned, that person who harmed you, I tell you, not seven times, but 70 times seven, which for all you mathematicians is like 14 million. It's <laughs> a lot. Guys, true forgiveness, it needs no mandate. It needs no forced repentance. True forgiveness comes from a place of love. And listen to this. True forgiveness has nothing to do with the one being forgiven. 
true forgiveness has everything to do with the forgiver. Let that sink in for just a minute. (laughs) I've probably offended you this morning. Put that aside so you can hear this one word. Please. Imparting forgiveness has nothing to do with the wretch of a person you're forgiving. It's nothing to do with their mistake. It's nothing to do with how wrong they are. It has nothing to do with them proving that now they've seen the light and now you, they, they just admit that you're right. It has nothing to do with that. They can continue doing wrong. They have that freedom. You do not have the freedom to live in unforgiveness because forgiveness has nothing to do with them. It has everything to do with the forgiver. Everything to do with the forgiver. Righteous forgiveness is unconditional forgiveness. And guys, it is simply a better way to live. It's better for your health. It's better for your family. It's better for your connection to God. It is just a better way to live. Are you guys with me this morning? I have not, it, do I have 35 minutes left? That's way too many minutes. You all agree. How, what time, I have no idea how much time I have left. Anybody? I got 10 minutes? It's 10.32. What time do we end? You would, I, I act like I don't go to this church. Really? Do we have another service? I got, I'll just keep talking until Jared starts waving his arms back there. So he is. I'm reading a scripture. He's back there. hey <laughs> Guys, next this morning, I want to talk about a life that's committed to the process of relationship with Christ. We're talking about having a better life. And guys, following proven processes are a hallmark of better living. Am I wrong? If you get to retirement age, 60, is it 65 now? You get to retirement age and it's time to retire. And you look at your finances and you realize, I have to work until I'm 98. In order to then you have come to the realization that the process financial security makes life better. Right? If you're someone who spends all of your time on your butt watching Netflix, and you have no idea what goes into your body because it just, it's like hungry, eat, fool, good, mmm. If that's all the thought you put into it, you're going to get to a place where you realize living a healthier life is just a better way to live. You'll live longer, you'll live happier, you'll live healthier. That's just the way it is. There are so many processes through our life that we understand. And guys, it's the same with our spiritual life. There's a process to go through. And guys, it disheartens me when a parent comes to me saying that their teenager is, has become the devil. And he's just completely denying God and he's just doing all this bad stuff. And I, and I look at him and I wonder, I haven't seen your kid in a year and a half. I would love to have for the past year and a half been pouring into the life of your child. But that, 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 that process of maturity has been completely cut off. I can't tell you how frustrating it is as a pastor. I've been doing this for 15 years now. And as a pastor, being treated as some type of spiritual emergency room. For, for, for people who, who prioritize peewee football and, and Netflix and any other social opportunity over the presence of God. And I'm not trying to jump on any one person this morning, but I'm trying to say, wake up. There's a better way to live. 
giving yourself to the process of spiritual maturity, giving yourself to the process of getting closer to who God is. Guys, it's a huge thing. Guys, leaving your spirituality at, well, I go to church most of the time, saying the same thing as, well, I attend school. I show up at work. I, I, I put groceries in the fridge. I, I bought diapers. But we all know, <laughs> as great as a starting point as these are, there's more to the process to go through in order to get the benefit of what we're getting. Check this out. William Law wrote in his book, Entitled, You Can Stand Strong in the Face of Fear. This is what he said, and listen to this. If you stop and ask yourself why you are not so devoted as the early Christians, your own heart will tell you that it's neither through ignorance nor inability, but purely because you never thoroughly intended it. Ouch. Mmm. Gonna let that fester for a minute. <laughs> the truth is that I attended Southeastern University, but I had no intention on becoming a great student, and I failed. Just because I went for one year does not make me a Bible scholar. There's more to the process than just being there. And guys, God doesn't want us to fail at life. He wants, he wants better for you. Through the process of exploring our life with him, we reap the benefits of perspective, benefits of patience, contentment, simple joy. But simply, sadly, many of us, we, we treat our relationship with Christ like, like, like this picture. And there it sits. Until all hell breaks loose. For those of you who are listening, there's a picture of in case of emergency, break glass. Inside the glass is the Bible. Someone once said, you don't wait until you're thirsty to start digging your well. Isn't that true? To put the work in ahead of time so that when the problems do come up, when the, when the seas do rise, when, when issues come into life, you're not, you're, not, you're not searching in the dark. You're not, you're not trying to find something that, you, that is completely foreign to you. You're not, you're not shouting out through just layer after layer of confusion. No. You've done the work. The water is there. What is this process? It's the practice of a prayer life. Continually touching base with God. The practice of spiritual disciplines, being involved in the community of your local church rather than just an attender, getting into a small group, finding out what accountability is, getting other perspectives, serving in church, out of church, everywhere. Guys, it's a better way to live. And investing in that relationship with God, investing in that process of spiritual growth. It'll only make things better. And finally, I want to mention this one. A better life is a life that finds its hope in the promises of God rather than finding defeat in the short-sightedness of human understanding. Guys, if we're going to profess to believe that His ways are beyond our ways and 
his understanding is beyond our understanding, then we have to be willing to admit that our assumption may be inherently wrong. That a lot of the thoughts we think may need some debate. But you don't understand, I've been a Christian for like 20 years. I know it. I know Jesus. I know the way he breathes and moves and thinks. I know what he does and does not do. And this he doth not do. <laughs> do you? Do you? Do I? No. You, you know the old saying, ignorance is bliss? Sometimes being able to step back and say, I don't know what God's doing. But just to know that it's God. And to know that he loves me. And to know that his promises are that he makes all things work together for good. To know that his promises are that I would prosper. To know that I have a shepherd to lay down with in the valley of darkness. It goes beyond my understanding of a moment. It goes beyond my understanding of the pain that I'm feeling or of the hurt I'm feeling or of the confusion I'm feeling, the depression or the anxiety or all the other real emotions and situations that attack us day in and day out. Guys, they are real, but that's not where I stop because I'm living life abundant. I'm living life to the full, meaning the world can throw at me what it wants, and it's going to hurt. I'm going to tell you right now it's going to hurt. But my today and the grossness of what it looks like is not the tomorrow that God promised me. And I know there's more. So I'm not going to lose hope. And I'm not going to be defeated. And I may be broken and beat down. But I know with God's help, guys, we can stand. And that is a better way to live. Are you guys with me? Proverbs 3, 5. I'm going to end with this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your understanding. In all of your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. Going back to that first point of holding on to bitterness, holding on to unforgiveness. He says, trust me. But God, I, I want to trust you, but I don't understand how this, I don't understand how they can get away with that. Lean not on your own understanding. But everything inside of me just wants, I mean, everything, it's, everything I'm hearing on TV, I should stand up for this, I should, stand, I should hold a picket sign, I should do all the different things. In all my ways, submit to him. And he will make my path straight. Submit to him so he makes everybody else's path straight. Your path is your path. If you choose a different path, I got to love you anyway. It's not on me. Guys, if you're here this morning, you're experiencing some crazy paths. I, I just ask you to be honest with yourself and where you are in life. Are there things you're holding on to that are poisoning you from the inside out? You got to get rid of them. You can do that here now. You can begin that process. It isn't going to be easy. But when you begin to crack that door open and that life begins to breathe into you, it is something that we desperately need. If you're here this morning and you're just, you're just finding it impossible <laughs> to prioritize your life in a way that puts God on top, that's a scary thing because we're modeling that to the next generation. They won't do as much as we do. 
They won't do as much as we do. And if I'm not doing much, that's pretty scary. What's the example? If you're finding yourself in this place where just all hope has lost, left, and, and all, all, all joy is gone because everything is wrong and I may as well go eat worms, well, just know that's not better living. And just know that God's got something better for you. But we've got to trust him, amen? Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you so much. God, that your word is easy. God, let your yoke is easy and your burden is light. God, that all we got to do is turn to you. And I know it sounds so contrite, but it's true. God, if repeatedly I would just turn to you and, 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 and turn my heart toward you, God, you, 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 you direct my mind in such unexplainable and unexpected ways. Lord, help me to see what you see. In your name we pray. Everyone said, amen. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.